Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Alexa, how many trophies has Craig Levine won? Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast, a very ill episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The podcast that can count on zero hands how many trophies Craig Levine has won. <laughs> I am Craig Cairns and joining me today is a man who tweets for a living, it's Robert Burford. Hello there. And a man who counts for a living, it's Craig Anderson. Hello. Today we're going to go through probably the most boring weekend of Scottish football there has ever been. Um, apart from, I mean, well the two league games didn't seem the most exciting. Semi-finals, there was all that build-up. Huge build-up, all the fury over all the decisions that were made, and then in the end, we got one good half from one team, and the rest was was pretty pretty poor, really, wasn't it? It was. I I mean, it's it, it's, it's difficult. To, it's very rare that uh, my team is involved in semi-final weekend, uh, regardless of competition. Um, so obviously, I had a vested interest in one game um, at least, and. I found that interesting purely from the nerves and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So, I, I, looking past it, um, the first half of that game was poor, really poor. I mean, Hearts had one shot on goal, Celtic had one shot on goal. Um, a lot of it was very bitty in the middle. And then you look at the Rangers Aberdeen game. Rangers, probably the better team for the vast majority, but Aberdeen, more experienced than Rangers in the semi finals and, and more versed in it. And then that was pretty much that. But yeah, it, it wasn't two of the greatest spectacles because we said so often on this podcast that League Cup semi-final weekend is one you always look forward to because so often you get great games or, or really like fantastic moments that's kind of flat to deceive a wee bit there was one fantastic moment across two games which was the winning goal for Aberdeen and apart from that well Ryan Christie's goal was a belter well yeah it was a belter but yeah, it was I kind mean, of a, a meaningless goal if you know what I mean they were the game was probably away dead. anyway, and so it's kind of less. Uh, I mean yes it, it's a showy moment but yeah and it's not to take anything away from uh 
Celtic's victory or Celtic's second half performance because they were they were excellent and they, and they could have um, they could have won it by five or six in the end of that. But we'll, we'll rewind a little bit. We'll go back to the start of that game. Um, the and I suppose the, the the most interesting thing to begin with was Hearts' team selection. No Callum Morrison after playing pretty uh, pretty well so far this season. Bazanich played himself into a. Uh, into a starting role over the last few games. I mean, there was an argument to say he he should have kept his place, but it was maybe a little surprising that he started out on the right rather than rather than the centre. Yeah, I, I think that if you've got Lee and Haring fit, you have to have them in the middle together because this season, as a partnership in the middle, they've been fantastic. <clears throat> you know, they're they're both shown that they're good passers of the ball, but they can both break the game up as well. They have different qualities, but they complement each other really nicely in the middle. So you can see why um, they opted to keep those two, Levine opted to keep those two in the centre. Um, but yeah, I, I think Bazanic, as, as well as he did do against uh, Aberdeen and Dundee in the two games that he's played, he's still the logical one to come out and allow Callum, Callum Morrison to be in the team because he's... Cal Morrison's a 19-year-old laddie. He's got an incredible engine. So, you know, the fact he played 290 minutes in the, the week before, that shouldn't really matter. I think, you know, you, you can't say that you're protecting him for that reason. Tactically, it doesn't make much sense either because Kieran Tierney is going to be bombing up and down. And if there's one guy in the heart squad that can match him, not for strength, but certainly for pace and for, for energy, it's Cal Morrison. And you saw in the second half Celtic so often were just pounding down the left-hand side, um, Kieran Tierney flying and you didn't have a Callum Morrison to, to track him back. And that was, yeah, I, I mean, it was the first thing that everyone noticed, was the fact that Morrison wasn't in there, despite the fact that he had two assists in two games in the two games. And Rodgers noticed it, and I think Kouassi had already taken a bit of a knock, but he brought Kouassi off and brought, uh, brought on Sinclair, because I think he saw that Bozanich was kind of drifting into the centre. That, that changed the game, not the fact that Sinclair came on, the fact that Kouassi came off. I was devastated. <laughs> uh, I asked to see Gary next to me, yeah. I yeah. Said, not only was I gutted when Simeonovic got carried off midweek, because he's always <laughs> terrible against Hearts, then I got to the game and saw Ayer's name on the team sheet, and I was like, fucking hell, I thought at least Henry was going to be playing. <laughs> and then, yeah, Kouassi... Um, Gets brought off, and even though he'd taken a knock when he when his number went up on the board, he was kind of like me, me. So he was even still surprised. But how much of it was because he had taken a knock, and how much of it was a tactical change by Rogers? I'm not entirely sure, but that did mean that I mean Sinclair second half, but he was one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah, well, that was the thing. I think with Kwasi, I think there was a part of it of Rogers using knock as an excuse yeah. to undo a very very odd. It played into his hands. Oh, uh, yeah, you could see what I guess you could see why he picked him because he wanted to be physical against Hearts and have, you know, Kuasi and Cham in the middle of the park and make sure they didn't lose the battle. But as it turned out, actually taking him off and then, and then they lost Cham as well from the middle of the park and they had a, essentially nothing in the way of physicality in the middle of the park. But that actually played into their hands because it let them play football. And I think it was, I think it's something that Hearts have taken advantage of a little bit this season, which is teams being a bit fearful of them and stopping playing their own game against Hearts because they've wanted to, you know, match them up and make sure they didn't get bullied. And, they, you know, they've taken advantage to win games by being better at the physical side than other teams are. But as it turned out, when Celtic did what they're better at, which is playing football, they were much better than Hearts. I think that's, you know, it's a compliment to Hearts in a way that, that Rodgers tweaked his lineup to to play Hearts, not to play his own game, almost in the middle of the park, by playing Kuwait. And and not you know playing the sort of flair players like Sinclair or whoever else, 
Um, but yeah, it's it's a bigger pitch, and you've got to remember that Hearts at Tynecastle are going to be tough for most teams because they know how to play that tiny wee pitch, and it means that you can get right in their face straight away. But this was the exact dimension of the hand in. Um, Celtic were they're a much better ball playing team than than Hearts. There's there's no mistake about that. You know that's that's an absolute fact, and they should have played like that to start with. Towards the end of the first half, they did get more chances. Rogic had more control of the game. Yeah, was, that was, was one of the wide. disappointing things was the amount of times that Hearts gave up possession. Um, and I know we'll get the pass, to how, the passing in the midfield was atrocious. It was. Uh, we'll get to how they actually conceded the goals in the end, which is a bit disappointing in itself. But even before that, I thought it was just a matter of time for Celtic took advantage because even in the first half, like I've said, both teams weren't very good in the first half. But um, Towards the end of the second half, as you mentioned, Hearts just started giving the ball away in the centre of the pitch so often. And not only that, but they were allowing Rogic to get the ball and drive in areas where he's at his most devastating. And we were lucky that he had... I mean, he wasn't... He wasn't poor, but um, we were lucky he had a slight off day in the sense that he didn't ping one in the top corner like he usually does when he gets that kind of space. I was seeing this after the game. Rogic was one of the best players in the park without playing well. It doesn't make any sense. He's that good. That, you know, because that's because he, when he when he's at his best, like I'm saying, he's pinging one of them in the yeah. top corner, or he's or he's um, he's he's creating goals for others or something. He just he didn't he didn't chalk up anything like that. Like I'm saying, he didn't have a bad game. But uh, I think yeah, one thing, one redeeming quality of that Hearts midfield is they didn't allow Rogic on Tyler foot within distance of goal, so he never really had the chance to take a shot. But everything leading up to that in the middle third. He was just getting room all over the place. I think, you know, Haring in the first half was okay. I thought he was fine um, as as a defensive midfielder, not as a ball-playing midfielder. Mm-hmm. I think he, he was okay. Not, as a, not as a right-winger where he popped up about five times <laughs> in the first half after corners, like trying, trying to do Cruyff turns out on the touchline. Uh, that's that's why we love him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, you know, but aye, they're, they're after. Um, Rogic was getting far too much time and space. He was getting basically in behind the Hearts midfield, so Haring and Lee were almost too far up by that stage. They were chasing shadows, essentially, um, most of the way into the second half, and that's kind of the way it went. But the, the big thing for me is the the lack of leaders now in this Hearts team, because there's no better, there's no suitor, there's now no Naismith. McLean, he's not really a leader. You know, he's, he's experienced, he's, he's got all this behind him, you know, he's... He's, he's too... Um, he's too angry or too temperamental. Uh, temperamental to be a leader like he's I, not, I think so ah, yeah. He's, yeah, not, he's, he's not someone you can hang your hat on like Naismith is, is feisty but he doesn't let his team down in terms of doing stupid things generally you know yeah. he, 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 he throws the, the line a bit but he, he knows that he's a team player very much McLean's a team player but not not to the detriment of his own kind of yeah that, that pettiness lack, that lack of on pitch leadership um, was really telling um, especially again as I say in the second half um, heads went down and didn't come back up, and I've not seen that from this Hearts team yet. Yeah. Um, until, until in this game, you know the the effort was still there, but there was zero belief, there was zero creativity, zero ways of looking to get back into the game, and and that's, you know, that's criminal. But take nothing away from Celtic. Um, Ryan Christie came on at half time for Chan, uh, and he was absolutely superb. Yeah. Um, he brought the best out of uh, Cal McGregor, who didn't have a very good first half at all. Um, I don't think McGregor. Yeah, he, did, he didn't influence the game like he usually does, but, but bringing Christie on, he started playing a better game. So did Ryan Forrest, so did Tom Rogic. Even Edward, who, I mean, fair play to Ed. Hearts got pumped 3-0, and Jimmy Dunn and Clevin De Camona were probably two of our better players. Well, I was going to say, we, were, we um, talked about them, you know, um, not down in tools in the second half, but, you know, being less aggressive and so on. The two centre-halves were the exception to that. The, the three 
goal line blocks between them in the last twenty minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, because the two of them were were you know con- keeping keep, keeping everything together yeah, and just gradually getting kind of swarmed. Yeah. By... Second second half, I thought Jimmy Dunn was again just absolutely superb because we were coming under more pressure. Hearts were coming under more pressure. And he was still, you know, he was marshalling Edward, and then Edward was like, oh, I'll, go and, I'll go to Decamona now, I'll see what... Get no change out of him either. So, yeah. in that sense, they did well, but the, the game was won and lost in the midfield. 100% yeah. in the midfield. So, that's, I mean, Hart set up with a narrow four, obviously, to kind of combat the way Celtic play. It was highlighted on Sports Scene the week before how they kind of have... Uh, McGregor as he started in this game and, and played in the Hibs game he kind of drifts in and it gives them this kind of box of four central midfielders so that was obviously they were trying to counteract that but we've, we've already spoke about one tactical change that um, that Rodgers made he was forced into a second uh, half time when Cham went off and Chris come on and uh, yeah I'd like to point out McGregor actually I think that's maybe I know he can play all these different positions but I'm, I'm actually not a huge fan when he plays that kind of inside forward row on the left I thought he got much better even in the first half when he was moved into the centre and yeah he was excellent in the second half but the guy who's come on and changed the game um, involved in every goal was uh, I say changed the game I think Celtic probably would have won won the game anyway I I think so but um, he's come on and he's been involved in every goal he's won the penalty he's hit that that uh, very tame shot that um, Zlomal's thrown in the net and then he's scored a beauty (laughs) in the end I mean, um, fair play is a mile. He, he's taken full responsibility for it. He said it took a little bit of a nick. I, and Zamal also made four fantastic saves in that game yeah, as well. Yeah. It, it, I mean, I remember John McLaughlin, um, a week at Park Thistle last year, let the ball go through his legs. That's um, the one mistake he made. I think, the, and I'm hoping that Bobby is the same. Um, I was going to say the um, goal against Muller in the Scottish Cup as well. Was that's, partly that's him. Ross Callaghan. That's 100%. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was Ross Callaghan. No that's my favourite goal of last season. No one but Ross Callaghan. But let's um, talk about Christie yeah. because it's been a long time coming for Christie at Celtic. I mean, I, I, know I, he's, I know he's not done... He hasn't done nothing as a Celtic player, but he's been given few chances and I don't know, this could be the start of something for I him. Think, I think playing on uh, Thursday night probably gave him, gave him a wee boost. You know, I... Obviously, it was a really poor team performance against Leipzig, but he was okay. He, he showed up fine, and that probably gave Rodgers the belief that actually, if I need to, I can chuck him in here. Yeah. If your hearts and you're sitting, you know, you've played very poorly in the first half. You've obviously lost your kind of talismanic forward, but then you're looking at an already weakened Celtic team who've lost their entire centre of the park. And I certainly thought this is where they're there for the taking because Celtic had been very poor in the first half, but Christie just took control of the game in the way that a way that he very rarely did for, for Aberdeen even he did it for Inverness you can remember that was the, the form that kind of got him the move in the first place but he just um, every time he got the ball you thought something's going to happen here and that made all the difference in the, the performance I just, I just really hope that um, like McGregor like Forrest like Stuart Armstrong um, Rogers can Almost transform, yeah, um, Christie from being maybe not the most confident guy on earth, yeah, um, you know, playing with a bit of lack of, of pizzazz and all that kind of stuff, and, and just giving that this opportunity to thrive because Rogers has proven that he's he's turned Cal McGregor, James Forrest, and I mean he takes a lot of the the credit for um, Armstrong and rightly so, turning them into full Scotland internationals. Don't miss a squad basically, and I'm hoping they can do that with Christie as well because he's got all the talent. You, you, I mean we've seen it since he came through at Inverness. Aberdeen he was maybe a bit more of a, a, a showy old player yeah. um, to use the term used earlier on some games he was absolutely unplayable it's a bit text full of that isn't it the phrase, uh, it? it is aye it is <laughs> but you know some games he was unplayable at Aberdeen other times he, he disappeared a wee bit and that's that's going to happen with yeah. a, a young attacking minded uh, midfielder 
But there's no reason why he can't come into this team now and make a proper impact in what has been you know, a well-documented lacklustre start to the season from Celtic. Obviously, they're, they're hitting some heights now domestically. Um, but there's no reason why for, uh, sorry, Christie can't be a big part of that. Uh, before we move on from this game, we should probably mention the Celtic defence. Uh, Benkovic and Ayer absolutely strolled it. Especially, um, especially impressive from... Higher, given that it was his first game back in quite a while and obviously when the game was over they, they took him off so when the game was over as a contest they took him off obviously because he hasn't played much football recently but yeah, I thought it was a really impressive showing from him um, particularly because of that but Benkovic he's just continued to do what Benkovic has been like since he came in basically I think um, that their task was, was made a lot easier by Naismith coming off and Amankwa um, not knowing how to play as a well, centre forward Amankwa I mean, I, 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 I think he deserves... Uh, I don't think he deserves to be made the scapegoat or anything. He clearly not. did not know how to play that position. No, but I, I think that in, in terms of what he was told to do, and it's quite clear what he was told to do, pressure them. Every time they get the ball, put pressure on them. Um, run, your, run, like, run your heart out. You can't level the fact of unfitness no, um, was, or lack of fitness for Danny Manquan. I thought he did fine. Nah, it was just you know, he, he didn't do anything to relieve pressure no. or to or to trouble any of the centre backs. Not, no, he, he didn't. But he's not a striker. He's not mean, an Smith. You're, you're trying yeah. to get you're asking him to go on. And the amount of times Hearts punted the ball at him, to him, to McLean, to Jim, to Bozanic, and none of them are good in the air. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Yeah. Uh, it was I. I mean, Hearts didn't show up. It's as simple as that. The better team deservedly ran out very convincing winners. Um, and just to make another point as well, it was a penalty. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was very, very little contact. Uh, Christie's been very smart with it. Um, I'm not even sure there's there's any contact at all. But Bazarix put a put a, he knows put a challenge he's in, given and the, then he looks like the guiltiest man on earth. Well, think, but to use the to use a cliche, he knows he's given the referee at least given the referee the and decision to make. From Colum's angle, that's a stolen penalty. I thought it was a penalty from where I was. I, I mean, I still think it was a penalty. The first time I, thought, I thought it was soft as fuck, but it was yeah, a penalty. The first time I watched that, I was like, mm, but then the, I think the reaction of if you're given a penalty away. And you're not even complaining about it. It suggests you know yeah. you've fucked up that you've you've done it. It's not even if you know you think I've made a daft challenge, but I've not touched them. You would be at least complaining. You wouldn't just be like, yeah, okay. And that that to me is enough. And um, yeah, it was such a stupid. It's the worst area. You, you said it, Craig. I think last night it's the worst area of the park to give a penalty away or the worst area in the box to give yeah, a penalty away. Yeah. It's a player who's going away from goal. Going, going, well. going away from goal. Just leave him. Let him run. Where's it going? Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. It was very, it was very infuriating. Like even as as inept as Hearts were, um, to give up the first goal in that manner, uh, it really, it really was disappointing. But fair play to Celtic. Like I said, could have been five or six in the end. They were well worth the victory, uh, and they will be facing Aberdeen in the final after Lewis Ferguson scored the only goal of that game. Put them into the final. Yeah, I mean it's a nice wee storyline. It is a nice wee storyline. Aberdeen's released by Rangers. Um, obviously, um, it's well documented about his his dad and his uh, and his uncle. But um, I thought it was uh, interesting to see uh, Derek McInnes put uh, Alan Coist in his box. So with the question after the game, you guys might not have seen it because you're oh. in the pub or whatever. But McCoist basically made a comment along those lines about. Yeah, I'm not sure he'll be his dad and his uncle will be happy and Derek McInnes was like well I think you need to give Lewis a bit of credit and he's, he's his own player he's a fantastic player and yeah. you can see McCoy's kind of like uh, yeah. uh, 
you know, McCoy, McCoy's attempting pattern. Yeah. And even still, Derek McInnes was in the was in the the Aberdeen end, and you can not, imagine the not Derek McInnes, Derek Ferguson, Derek Ferguson. Sorry, <laughs> yeah, that would have been funny. <laughs> uh, Derek Ferguson was in the Aberdeen end, and the guy the type of guy he comes across, he would have been he would have been yeah, celebrating that right. goal as if he was an Aberdeen fan. Yeah, yeah I mean, hundred percent. Anyway, you mentioned the pub there. That's exactly what I was doing. Uh, there was no sound on. I was pretty drunk by this point. It was a free bar after the after the Hearts game, and then but so by the time this game came on, um, I was a little bit drunk. wasn't the most exciting uh, it seemed, but even with just kind of one eye on it like that, it looked like Rangers dominated large parts of it in terms of having the ball a lot, but um, they either. Either Sadiq was going offside, <laughs> uh, or they just weren't creating anything, and it just looked like it was a game that was screaming out for a half decent forward at any either right. so, either end of the pitch. So we, we talk about Sadiq here. I don't know if you remember the guy Savio Nsereko that uh, West Ham signed, and he was an Italian under twenty one international, and West Ham paid ten million quid for him, and I watched him for about ten seconds playing for West Ham, and I was like, "There's some dodgy business going on here." Some that this guy is not a footballer. Like a baby. He, never, he does not know how the to play football. The man you baby. For exactly. Along those lines. That's what Sadiq looked like. There's no way he's a footballer. He's not a footballer. He he's, scored, what is it, something like seven goals in 12 games for Roma last season or something along those? Or maybe no, was, was it on loan? No, he was in the du- uh, Dutch football, which is like... Right, so it was on loan I like, from I feel like I could Roma. score some goals centre forward. Busy last year was uh, Bjorn Johnson. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, he, he's not a footballer. He was hopeless. It was... Really funny. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna. It was. It was terribly funny. Um, he's an awkward, languid, um, not talentless, but certainly devoid of a lot of talent. But the um, talent he has, the talent he has, is not a footballing talent. <coughs> the so, talent he has is his ability to sort of his ability to sort of run and his ability to sort of get in people's way. As soon as the ball came near him, it, it, nothing. If you want to be a good striker. And you're, you're, you're his sort of physique. You need to have great positioning. Uh, you need to play well with your back to goal. And you need to be on the shoulder of the man, um, ready to go at, at any time. And he can't do any of those things as well. The goalkeeper must have <laughs> well, I, that, that's <laughs> or he was on the wrong shoulder of the last man, the, of the defender. It was, it was, it was hilarious. It was great. But I mean, that, that just shows you, um, Rangers lack of depth up front. Because if you've only got Morelos and Lafferty, then there's an issue there. Yeah, is um, it too simplistic to say that Rangers were a forward away from winning that game? No, no I, I think if, if I think Morelos would have a field day. Yeah, yeah. Um, having seen some of the, the opportunities and some of the moves that Rangers were putting together, Morelos' movement and his, his off-the-shoulder work I, and, and his physicality. And his link in play. His oh, link exactly. play. He would have been involved in that, not just on the end of... Exactly. Scoring. And in big games, you can always rely on Kyle Lafferty as well. So you've got to think of that side that um, he's always good for a goal in, in big games. So, I, um, yeah, I, I think I think it, it kind of is that simple. Um, that Aberdeen defence is very slow. Very, very slow. And they needed someone that could properly take advantage of that and they just didn't have it I'm no fan of Ryan Hardy but I think even if he had been playing centre forward for Rangers in that game he would, have, he would have scored he would have done something aye um, the, the thing I think you, you said that Rangers dominated the game and to me in it, wasn't, it wasn't even that Rangers dominated the game it was that Aberdeen were 
abysmal Aberdeen did, did, did nothing <laughs> in the game it wasn't the Rangers dominated it was like Aberdeen every time they had the ball refused to keep possession and it wasn't in that kind of tactical way of well, we just let them have possession it Mourinho was, against, it was, uh, against Barcelona Bar- yeah. <laughs> it was literally like every time the ball went near an Aberdeen player it was like they'd, they'd never seen it before in their life and I think as much as McKinnis will now take the plaudits for you know our tactical it was probably the worst Aberdeen performance I've seen in a game like that. They, we could have said them. we got better after we scored. I thought, well, there was well, only they, about five minutes only, left. They, they scored in the <laughs> They they relied too much on. And, and I mean, fair enough, they've got through both the quarter final and the semi final doing it. But they basically relied on McKenna and Devlin not making a single mistake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Haven't conceded a goal in the competition and, yet. And both of them were, were very good, and yeah. the fullbacks were very good. Low. Nobody else was very good. Was Low pretty good when he? Yeah, came yeah, up? he was very. He made. He was probably better than than Constantine was before. We kind of said the reason he didn't start is that uh, he just wanted a bit more uh, experience in the team. He wanted the right blend of experience and youth, and he already had the likes of Ferguson and Wright there. So he went with he went with Considine over uh, over uh, over Low. But I was surprised by that because having seen Max Low. In real life now, mm-hmm. um, I was really impressed with him at Tynecastle. I think you know, Sunderland he got man of the match. I think I scored as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean at Tynecastle, Aberdeen weren't very good. That's been quite well documented. But Maxwell throughout the game, um, he was up against Callum Morrison, who obviously is flying just now. But Morrison didn't get that much change out of him. It's only when he really went inside mm-hmm. is when is when mm-hmm. he got that. I'm, I'm I've been impressed with Maxwell um, so far. Very different kind of. Left back from from Considine. Ah, and the fact that he's a left back, <laughs> he's actually a left back. Yeah, um, but he's kind of yeah. like he's smaller and quicker. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally different types of player. Um, right, where else we go? Like I say, you, you guys are gonna have to carry yeah, me in so this one a wee bit. For me, there, there was a few moments in the game. The two yellow cards in the first four minutes, both of which were absolutely unav- unavoidable yellow cards. But I think it kind of. When you see the game starting like that, and both teams are, you know, Aberdeen fly out the blocks, kind of have a half chance, get, you know, draw a booking out of a area, have a half decent chance for a free kick, and then Graham Shinney kind of seems to attempt to decapitate a Rangers player with his tackle. Yeah, we saw, I don't remember seeing the, the foul, but I remember kind of looking up at one point and all, us all having a laugh at Graham Shinney getting booked because it's just the most predictable thing in football is yeah. Graham Shinney gets a booking. But then you're like you're expecting something from fa- from from that, and then nothing happened for about the rest like for about another seventy minutes until Aberdeen scored, and that was the kind of disappointing part of the game. And I don't know if it blunted Shinning's game, but he he was missing for the entire game. I thought in the middle of the park, Rangers got so much space and time. Um, Koulibaly in the area, Koulibaly in particular didn't use the ball well, um, which was really noticeable. We've seen him before. When he's had the direct opposition, he seems to use the ball well under pressure and it seemed like he didn't really know what to do under no pressure, um, which is odd, but I guess it can happen. And, and yeah, the game just followed a very odd pattern. Rangers didn't actually create anything. I mean, as we say, not helped by essentially having a four-five-zero, but um, they just did, they just didn't they didn't create anything. Aberdeen didn't create anything either, but actually they did look the more dangerous team on the very rare occasion that they... Got further. I was very surprised to see Wright getting taken off actually because I thought out of him and, and McGinn, he was the one that looked like to me like he was actually going to do something. McGinn, I thought it was a really poor game um, up until the, the delivery for the goal. Um, and James Wilson, an empty shot up front as well. So they were carrying a number of bodies at Aberdeen as well. And it, it was just 
as you said, there was a game where nobody showed up because Stevie May came on and my fucking god, he was awful. And I, I love you, mate. Like yeah, I think, I, yeah I, I, we I'm all from so, the days when he so was so desperate for him to come back and yeah. but it, he's been it space jammed mate it's, yeah, it's, it's never coming back it was, right? a, it was an all time I think I think worse than Sadiq's performance in fact when he yeah. came on and I don't know where he goes because you're looking at McInnes because you keep thinking why does he keep persisting with Wilson because he doesn't doesn't look like he cares he doesn't, put an, he doesn't even put a shift in but then you watch me and me he's putting a shift in but he's <laughs> negatively affecting his team his first touch is going 20 yards away from him and you're like what are you left with and then Cosgrove is Cosgrove is what it? he is um, um, yeah. you start wondering you know if Andy Constantine would just end up doing a shift up front it's so weird that they struggled to I mean Rangers struggled for a striker in this game because one was suspended and one was cup tied but Aberdeen that's a three that you mentioned there and neither of them you have many confident, much confidence in to go and uh, score many goals this season I mean and that's why that's why they are struggling in the league, and it's why, although they've got to this cup final, I, I think they they rode the luck quite a lot in that if they'd been playing against a competent team like a Rangers that were at full strength, or if they played against either of the other semi finalists, I think even if Hearts had played the way Hearts played against Celtic, they would have beaten Aberdeen. Um, Oofed. They were. <laughs> I, I just think, I just think that, that you know that you can talk about this kind of good defensive performance. I don't think it was. I think. McInnes has sometimes got a bit of unfair stick in terms of the way he set himself, his team up against Celtic. I think yeah. Celtic and Rangers, he's lost games where they've been in it for a long stretch or a couple of league games. The, the year they pushed them quite close in the, the title race, I thought there was a couple of games where they were they were in it. They obviously did beat Celtic in one of those games. The Cup final, the Scottish Cup final in 16-17, uh, they, they were more than matched Celtic um, throughout it. And, you know, Rogic scored a, a brilliant goal at the end. But on Sunday, I just thought there was no belief in that performance at all. It didn't look like they were going, going to do anything. It looked like they were there to play for penalties from minute five, which it's not that good a Rangers team. No, um, uh, but they, they got the goal in the end, and it was through uh, Lewis Ferguson. Um, only scored two goals for Aberdeen now. Uh, one was an overhead kick against Burnley, yeah. <laughs> and the other one's put them into yeah. the final. So fair play him. And what is he? Is he nineteen now, or yeah, is he just turned nineteen? Yeah. And, and yeah, he, he did. Uh, I mean, Azaria doesn't look like the most commanding guy in the air, but um, yeah, he, he bullied him in the air and, and bullied it past the keeper. Gave the keeper absolutely no chance. Fair play to the guy. It's not like Rangers to lose a late header at that end of hand in, in a in a big cup game as well. Yeah. Do we have any? I mean, you've kind of. You've, you've uh, kind of I mean, I mean, there, but do we have any confidence in Aberdeen uh, to to win the final? There's going to need to be a cocktail of um, circumstances for that to happen. I think um, Celtic, even though the the first forty five um, on Sunday wasn't the best, they just know how to turn up in these big games. Mika Lustig was even saying it today in the press. Um, you know, he, he just said, "Yeah, no, we we know we are confident in ourselves that we are always going to perform at a big level. Now we're not scared of it. We all, we've all done it." Six times um, in the past couple of years. Um, I think what needs to happen is Celtic have a bad day, a very bad day, and uh, Aberdeen find a striker. Yeah. <laughs> or between now and December the, the second. They, they need that. You know the two semi-finals that Celtic lost: the one against Inverness and the one against um, Ross, County, Ross County, both of which yeah. were turned on red card. red card decisions and big calls like that. They need something like that to happen, and they also need McKenna and Devlin to show up the way they showed up. Yesterday, yeah. Yeah. the two of them were were so dominant. I thought it was such a such a classy centre half 
performance in terms of just doing exactly what you had to do. They need to do that, and they need the players in front of them to turn up. They look like well, again. Up. That's that's that sort of you know going back to um, the Hearts game. So Dikemona and Dunn did play really well, but it didn't matter. Yeah, it's the players in front. I think there's so much confidence in that Aberdeen back too. They're they're so physical. Getting there, they can command their, their area. Have a good partnership there, I think. I, think uh, I, so, I mean, like you so. pointed out earlier, the, the definitely uh, pace is an issue. Yeah. But sometimes when you're when you're a more defensive team and you're uh, you're, you're very good at positioning, you can kind of make up for that that kind of thing. So, but they do they do they both have uh, a bit of potential there. I mean, maybe McKenna a bit more than Devlin. Devlin's a little bit further on in his career, but they have they do have the makings of a very good partnership there. Um, am I right in saying that's five finals that McInnes has made it to? Four, four. of them against Celtic? Sorry, I think it's four finals and three against Celtic. Right, okay. Yeah. And then the other one was Inverness. Inverness, which they Inverness won. Just, the one. just stumbled <laughs> over the line. <laughs> that, that, talking of, talking of yeah. shit games, that was uh, that was up there. Like, uh, <laughs> right, we're going to move on another couple of shit games, and <laughs> they were in the uh, the Premiership. We'll start with the one that you were at, Craig. Um, I mean, I say that about the St Johnston game. I don't. That's all yeah, I've seen the, the is the commander. The commander one is certainly true. Ma- ma- Stop ma- talking Scottish football, Derry. This is <laughs> disgraceful. Listen, we've been spoiled the last few weeks. There's been we've had uh, a couple of weeks ago. We had a weekend where there was twenty six goals over the six games or something like that. Um, the show we did last week, there was loads. I mean, we're brimming with stuff that we couldn't even fit it all into the podcast. And then this weekend, like I said, with all that build up to the to the to Super Sunday, and it turned out to be a bit of a damp squib. And I know I've said, I kind of exaggerated a bit and said oh, it was the most boring foot weekend of Scottish football ever. I'm sure it wasn't that boring if you were a Celtic fan. But I, I'm just talking about, it, in terms of quality, first half of the Hearts game was rubbish. If Both teams, Celtic were excellent in the second half. And then that whole Aberdeen Rangers game didn't look very good. Didn't look like there was much quality at all. And now that the game we're going to get in, onto, Craig's already admitted that um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't the best either. It was, I, um, I was only joking, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I need to separate you two. Uh, it was. It was just such a such a poor performance, and it's kind of like I, I don't think you could say it's not been coming for Kelly because you can't go behind every single game and expect to constantly yeah. win. Um, just from the first minute, or not, sorry, not from the first minute, the first 10, 15 minutes, I thought, right, Keller going to blow Hamilton away here. Every time we got the ball, they were, you know, aggressive, getting into good positions. Hamilton looked a wee bit flat. And then a moment that I thought um, made a difference was um, Stephen O'Donnell tangled with Ziggy Gordon. Tangled? Um, tangled, he did a bit of dancing. He had a clash with him in the, um, on the touchline. And O'Donnell kind of wound Gordon up, and it seemed to kind of fire Aki's up in a way that they hadn't been up until then. And then they started kind of smashing into tackles and started getting in our faces. And and Kelly just the performance just wasn't there. Every time they got pressed, they were giving the ball away. Aki's midfield is so aggressive and so um, so physical that every time Tishbola or Power got the ball, someone was in their face, and they were going back to the defenders, and the forwards were pressing the defenders, and then it was going long. And neither Stuart nor Brophy is that great in there. And so there just wasn't a proper out ball for Kelly. And on the few occasions where we did get out, both fullbacks had, had poor games by their standards. Um, Taylor particularly. Uh, Brophy was quiet. Brophy, that's I think three times he's played against Hamilton that I can remember since he went since since he signed from him and he's been trying far too hard against them. Yeah, yeah. Um Stuart had an off day. Uh 
Yeah, to, well, it was power, power was the only one I think. Uh, Craig Fowler wrote a really good article about him about being the kind of underrated yeah. player in midfield, not not by the Kelly fans. Yeah, um, you've called them the most sung unsung hero. Yeah, I, I think the Kelly fans there. Uh, I would say overrate Alan Power. I really like him, but uh, <laughs> you think he was like the best player we've ever had. But um, he was very good. But apart from that, the rest the rest were not. Um, I think it was the first time. You know, we got away with it against the Mirren, but Jordan Jones was, was really missed on the left because uh, Brighton and Bakari was flitted in and out of the game and had some nice touches, but it just wasn't as consistently and a good out ball. Um, for Hamilton, though, I, I, I spoke very highly of them last week, even though they got beat, but I thought, again, they were really good um, just in terms of, of being aggressive and probably until the last 15 minutes where Kelly couldn't nick the goal. What about... Uh... The absence of Burke, how much do you think that had an effect? Um, obviously, Mackenzie scored the equaliser in the end, but um, was, that, was, was he a big miss? Yeah, maybe. I mean, I think I, th- I assume Burke was being rested for, for Ibrox in midweek because he was 35 and he maybe didn't think he could play. Um, we've got Aberdeen next Sunday as well, three high intensity games in the space of, of that time, which is fair enough. Mackenzie came in and did fine. Um, I think Burke and Mackenzie are. are Mackenzie's a bit quicker and a bit. Um, a bit nippier, but Burke's a better footballer, but they're roughly the same type of player. Yeah. I don't think I don't think having Chris Burke in the team would have kind of made the difference. You never know, maybe his set piece deliveries would have been better and so on. But um as much as Burke's been excellent this season, Mackenzie was fine, scored the goal. I think Jones was a big miss and then probably not having Broadfoot at the back didn't help in terms of just it was a wee bit nervy. Um Scott Boyd is Competent, but Scott Boyd is not a player who should be playing for a team who's sitting second in the Premiership. Yeah, certainly not every week. Yeah. yeah, but it was a it was a good point for Aki's in the end. Uh, Canning seemed pretty pleased with it, and uh, it kind of it puts a wee bit more distance between that little bit more distance between them and the the bottom two. They're doing it again. They're doing it again. They're, doing it again. <laughs> They're picking up points where people don't think they would. Ah, no, it's a great point for them. Um, but you know, maybe more importantly than that, it, it sounds like they're putting a decent performance. Two good performances in a row. Yeah, they've only got one point out of those two games, but you're playing Rangers and then a flying Kilmarnock. You wouldn't you wouldn't say that what you want out of those two games is one point, but I think they'll still be quite happy with that outcome. And that's that's what you know Martin Canning's Hamilton are, are good at. They're they're scrapping and they do get the odd point, they, they get the odd win and stuff like that, and it's enough to, to keep them going. Um and it sounds a lot like they, they had ample opportunity to win the game, uh, let alone oh, just draw James Keaton's Oh yeah, we haven't mentioned that. Uh, uh, I, I remember he he had the exact carbon copy miss for Hearts um when he played for us against Livingston away. Um it, it defies logic um how how he can miss that. Do you think it's, they were saying in sportsing that he should have gone with it with his right foot? I didn't think so. I thought he should have just hit it better with well, his left foot. It, the, the way he was the, angle the, the was, way he was running and the stride was, was natural for his left foot anyway, and he is left footed. Yeah. But he's just he's just hooked it. Um yeah. he's he's just made the completely wrong contact, probably thinking about how he's gonna celebrate his first goal and, and however yeah, it's long. It's like he's tried to curl it. Not curl it, but he's tried to kind of put it inside the post rather than uh, just put it, you know what I mean, just put it back across where it's come from. Uh, yeah, I, I think basically um, the way it looks to me is the ball's hit his heel as opposed to his instep, which is what he's tried to do. Um, and he's just misjudged it. It's probably that plastic pitch. I yeah. don't know, maybe it bounced funny. Took a bobble. Um, took a bobble, <laughs> aye. Um, lucky he's not injured and out for the rest of the season. Aye, lucky he doesn't play for a team that, oh wait, no, they do have a plastic pitch. Um no, I mean, it's a shocker, and, and you do see misses like that from time to time. Um, horribly unfortunate, and obviously, 
I, I root for James Keatons. I hope he does really well. I think he seems like a, a pretty honest guy. Mm-hmm. Um, decent striker on his day as well. You know, he's, he's a very good finisher, despite what we're talking about just now. And obviously um, the, the bravery from uh, coming out with the, the, the issues he's been having exactly, uh, exactly. a couple and months ago as well. You know, it's, it's he said that cost his Hibs career. He was incredibly happy at Hibs. Um, but, you know, the, the injuries and the, the mental health issues that he's documented gone against him as well I, I, I do I hope he comes back to, to scoring quite regularly um, because yes he's a good striker he's very busy um, got a great left foot on him but as I say there's a history of him missing chances like that he actually missed one against Hearts for Hibs uh, in a game that Hibs I think were 2-0 up in anyway right. um, but this could have been his chance to get it right up Hearts and uh, from about three yards out he skewed it wide very very similar chance um, but yeah, I mean, I'd, going back to Hamilton, they'll be delighted with that result. Um, they deserved it as well. It was well, aye, that, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. It's, it's not just the result, it's the performance and what seems to be an upward trend for them just now in their performances as well. Yeah, and another team who seems to be on a bit of an upward curve at the moment is St Johnston, who picked up another win. This time at home with St Mirren. They tried really hard not to. <laughs> tried their best not to. <laughs> they did their absolute best. Tony Watts, Chrissy Willumo miss. Is... Talking of sitters, yes, we'll start with that. There was uh, another sitter in this game. It's, it is, it's Iwilumo. It's the same chance. It's just a different camera angle. If you had one from behind the goals, it's, you'd see. Like, it was, I don't want to try and say his name. I feel I feel like I've lost confidence in trying to say his name. But was his not worse? His, the, the, the Scotland striker Iwilumo. against Norway? It probably was. But... I mean, I, I think I, they, what what excuse can can you give to to Tony Watt? Well, they, were, so, they highlighted there was a bobble, but even still, he's got to kind of he's still got to finish it. He's got the entire goal team. It's not like you know, it's like in he, the middle of the goal. Like he he, 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 he did at least as like past the post and has a bit of an angle. What is this? Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, everyone was one the. Um, the importance of that one in terms of it being a massive World Cup qualifier, a goal where if, if he scores that Scotland probably reach the playoffs for the um the World Cup. Tony Watts miss meant nothing because No, of course. They, I mean they, I'm they, talking in a purely football sense. Yeah, um, I just remember Ilumo's Il- one being a bit closer. Am I had a bit more of an open goal. Uh, I've never watched it. Whereas Watt had about half a goal to aim at I don't know. All right, well, maybe, we're maybe splitting hairs. Listen, I love Tony Watt. It's, it's well documented. Um, but no, it's a shocker. And then he misses a penalty as well. Uh, it's actually a decent save. Uh, yeah, it's not the worst penalty in the game. I, I don't know. <laughs> Aye, second worst penalty in the game. I was um, listening to the radio. I was driving uh, through Edinburgh and I was listening to the radio at that point. And then I remember the, it was, they had kind of said they had gone to whoever was reporting on the game and they had said, oh, who's, I think Richard Gordon had asked, who's going to take it? And I said to myself, it's going to be, it's going to be Liam Craig because he, I'm sure he used to be the penalty taker for St. Johnson. And I thought, they're better to score this one because Liam Craig, for all his flaws, is actually a quite reliable, uh, penalty taker. And then the next thing you know, he's put it over the bar. <laughs> and it was, it was, it was way worse than, uh, than, than Tony Watts. He's, he's known for putting a, a wee bit of strength behind his uh, penalty kicks, Liam Craig, and uh, it's an absolute shocker. Um, but despite all this, they still managed to win the game. Uh, they were 1-0 ahead by, I don't know about, I can't remember exactly about Watts. Um, just after half time. Sitter is missed, but uh, the two penalties, oh, yeah. the two penalties came after Wotherspoon's opener. Yeah. I think it was 1-0 when, when Watt missed, I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, it was just, you worry for St Mirren when you've got an opposing team missing an open goal and missing two penalties and you still going to be 2-0 and don't lay a glove on them. Um, and he's blaming referees again after the game. No, I said last week... they it, should have had a penalty. I so. said last week of the, the offside goal where it was... Fair enough, it was borderline, but he's saying that he watched... Last week he said he watched it back 
and thought that um, Jackson was a yard and a half onside, then he's half a yard off. How um, that that's when you start worrying about a manager because it's it's not just in the heat of the moment thinking your decisions went against you. It's a delusion long after it. Yeah. That was that wasn't a penalty. I didn't think on on Saturday either. It wasn't a definite such a weird decision to book him for diving. But um, yeah, you're just worried about Kearney in terms of he's not picking up a win. I saw um, I saw someone describe him as the, the next Stephen Kenny, which might be um, apt. Yeah, um, there's not a good history of managers coming over from the Irish League to Scotland, is there? They, they don't have a good record. Kenny the one, Fenlon, the one he's against. Apart from the one he's against. Yeah, That's uh, the exception. Yeah, and uh, like Kenny Shields. Kenny Shields a, well, a good time. Yeah, he did and he did. Just been sacked from Derry, in fact. Um, or was it a left anyway? And Kenny Shields leaves when he wants. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, Kenny Shields also relegated Morton, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah. he did. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> but yeah, but no, I, I, it was... Um, He's a highly rated manager, but you do always have a worry when, when you bring in managers, just because he, especially he didn't have any connections to Scottish football beyond his uh, his brother, his father-in-law um, being a former commandant manager. Um, that's about it. So it's kind of, and I, I don't know if that means that his brother, brother-in-law played in Scottish football for a long time, so I don't know what the connection is to, yeah, to Dean, yeah, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, you worry about a manager coming over who knows nothing about Scottish football and then... As much as I said last week, the signings he brought in were good. Obviously, Ferdinand wasn't playing. And I said last week, the fact that they reshuffled when Ferdinand went off to not put Alfie Jones on made you worry about Alfie Jones. And I think Alfie Jones showed you why he wasn't playing on uh, previously because he, he was part of a defence that were rotten. Yeah. Have we anything else to add on that game? It's going to be some relegation battle this season yeah. I genuinely could see neither them or Northern D winning a game until about Christmas yeah well the fact that the league overall has kind of got stronger i.e. there's more good teams in it it means that yeah those teams at the bottom are going to struggle I've even got, more to get yeah, points I've got a lot more faith in Jim McIntyre than I do in Oren Kearney yeah. um, that's basically that mm. also Stephen Robinson at Motherwell mm. he, it's, 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 he proved last year that he can it remains to be seen whether they will put something together. I think big game against St Mirren yeah, that's coming up for them Wednesday, I think that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, at the moment, uh, there's definitely two that are going to be fighting for it. It's whether... And Hamilton, as we've said, kind of look like they're going to do it again and just get enough points. It remains to be seen whether Motherwell get dragged into this relegation scrap as well yeah. or not. Yeah, be interesting though. It will be interesting. We'll leave it there. Um, you guys can get us in all the usual places. I'm not going to list them all. And we're going to go do the Patreon now. And we're going to go look at some impact players. Inspired by Ryan Christie's performance at the weekend. We're going to look at... Uh, and Stevie Mays. And Stevie Mays. We go to both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> we're going to look at some uh, players who had a habit of... Um, coming on and making an impact and some kind of maybe just one-off cases where players have an impact if you want to come and listen to that and you haven't already subscribed it's patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast and all that is left to do is say goodbye goodbye sorry for coughing cheerio sports social podcast network hey guys it is ryan i'm not sure if you know this about me but i'm a bit of a fun fanatic when i can i like to work but i like fun too it's a thing and now the truth is out there i can tell you about my favorite place to have fun Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.